Hello and welcome to DIY EV Chat, where I speak to people who've built their own electric cars and occasionally those people who support us in doing so. Today I've got some with a fantastic project on the episode. Uh, welcome Paul Young, the maker of the Boxster EV. Thanks for having me on, Tom. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me. So listen, Paul, um, first question for everybody is always, where did you start or rather what do you do in the day job that might give you the skills to do something like this and do you have the skills to do something like this <laughs> yeah, i'm still trying to work that one out actually <laughs> um so i trained as a watchmaker by trade i'm a watchmaker so this was 26 27 years ago i studied as a horologist um and and through the sort of final year of studying horology um i decided to take the direction into watchmaking so I had some um, experience of miniature engineering um, for, for EV conversions, I suppose. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a watchmaker effectively, although today I don't do uh, so much of the uh, the oily stuff. Um, I'm more on the commercial side of the business. It doesn't get oily when you're making watches? <laughs> well, it, it kind of does in a small way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like any mechanism. It's just um, a lot smaller. Um, and, and the way that you'd, you'd lubricate the mechanism, the different different types of oil that you would use, um, it's just all on a much smaller scale. Brilliant. Well, you're certainly the first horologist I've, well, probably the first horologist I've met, actually. Certainly the first one I know <laughs> who's done an EV conversion. And, and so that, that passion for mechanical stuff, had you done anything like this before you built an EV? Not particularly. Um, I've always fettled with cars. So I've always done most of my own servicing on the cars, um, disc and brake changes and uh, oil changes, that sort of thing, but nothing on the scale. I'd certainly never taken an engine out of a car or, or gone any further with that. I think that um, I, I changed the, um, the, 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 the valve body seals on, on, on my BMW M um, a little while back, but um, yeah, nothing more than that. Okay, so but there's, there's some sort of practical fettling there. Anything with sort of the electronics or the coding side? No, nothing at all. Um, I quite like wiring. I've always enjoyed um, wiring, low voltage wiring. So whether that's fitting um, car stereos or whatever that may be, I've always enjoyed that side of it, but certainly no coding. Um, and yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't say that I'm familiar at all with coding even today. But, um, <laughs> you, you know yourself, you have to, you have to learn a little bit um, working through an EV conversion. But um, fortunately, there's a lot of people out there that, that support in that regard. There are. There are lots of people who are very, very useful, certainly on the coding front. And, and how did you stumble across those people? What was your, your entry point to the DIY EV community? Well, we, as, as a family, we bought a BMW i3 back in 2016. Okay. Um, and I remember on the test drive being absolutely blown away by how it drove so differently to a regular car. And whether that was the torque, um, it was light, it was nimble, but I just remember this fantastic feeling of being thrown back in the seat when you accelerated. And I was kind of hooked from there, I think. And I guess I was doing some research on the EV side on, on YouTube and the algorithm started serving me more EV content um, and ultimately led me towards Damien Maguire, <laughs> who's got a lot to answer for, I have to say. <laughs> the and, gateway uh, drug for DIY EV conversions. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And it was around the time where he was, it was really exciting time. I think it was around 2018, 2019. He was pushing the Tesla motor into um, a BMW 8 series. Um, and, and that was just a fascinating series of videos. But I think that what was also running from him in terms of content around that time is that he was doing a EV conversion for under a thousand euros in a BMW 3 series. And it was that sort of um, set of that that series that made it feel more possible, more approachable, because it was it was 
he'd broken it down into very small bite-sized chunks, whether it was power steering, braking, and it answered a lot of those questions of which um, you know, you're scratching your head over prior to seeing those videos. So it was all, it was Daniel, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the, that first experience of a, of a commercial EV, of, you know, of a real EV is, is certainly a, an interesting one. I, I got invited out to Barcelona through work, must be 10 years ago now, to go and drive a Tesla around Barcelona. Um, I mean, you know, nice work trip if you can get it. But yeah, that, that first experience was definitely very memorable. The first time you put your foot yeah. down and, uh, and a lot happens, uh, really a lot happens. Um, so you came across Damien's videos. Did you immediately think, yeah, I'm going to do this? Um, no, I guess I watched his videos for, for a year, I suppose, before actually thinking I'm going to take the plunge. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, probably around mid-2018 um, I started watching them and then um, I decided to actually take the plunge in 2019, middle of 2019, something like that. As a lot of us did, I think. It was a, a sort of a, 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 a febrile time for new EV conversions. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. And what was the what were your criteria then? What sort of um, what what did you set out to do? Did you have a sort of objective in mind of what you wanted to deliver? Well, I've been I've been a bit of a BMW fan for a number of years. Um, so I was firstly looking at BMWs to convert old BMWs, but the more I read up on it, the more I thought I'd like to do something with a motor connected to the to the half shafts in the rear of the car, rear wheel drive. And the BMW route, unless you do a lot of cutting, really is a, well, you, you have more experiences than me, and um, bolting a motor to a gearbox. Mm. So I wanted to go to the Tesla route, really. Um, and um, doing that with a BMW isn't straightforward because you've got the boot floor and um, there's, there's less space at the rear of the car. So I ended up going, um, doing a bit of research on it, looking at other opportunities with, um, with other potential vehicles, and actually um, ended up looking at cheap Porsches. So I was looking at Porsche Boxsters um, and Porsche 944s. Um, the Boxster, of course, is mid-engine, so that would have been fairly straightforward. Um, and then the 944 is, it has an engine in the front, but it has the transaxle in the rear, which gives a lot of room underneath the boot floor, and you could you could mount a Tesla large drive unit there. And actually, um, I was looking on eBay to find the, the, the car, as it were, and um, I ended up finding two right at about the same time, a 944 and a Boxster. They were both black, both in pretty good condition. Um, and as always with these things on eBay, you, you bid on both, hoping you might win one. And guess what happened? <laughs> I won both. Um, so um, around a week or so later, um, I had them both delivered on my driveway. They were both super cheap. I think the Boxster was £1,900. And what? the 944, yeah. And the 944 was was around two grand, I think. Um, but the beauty of it was a blessing in disguise, really, because I could put them on my drive next to each other um, and really kind of figure it out in your mind's eye of how, how it would work and what would be involved and get a feeling of what the car would you know feel like being inside it. And whilst I loved the the retro of the 944, it was just it just felt a little bit older and um, uh, the, the 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 Boxster, the kids liked the Boxster. They felt it was a bit more of a contemporary design. So. Um, I just, um, and Anabox had absolutely no rust at all. I mean, not, not the slightest bit of rust. So, um, yeah, the Boxster got, um, got chosen and the 944 got put back on eBay the following week. Um, and, and, and it sold to another, um, chap who I think actually got it going in the end, got it, got it running. Cause I should add that neither of them actually worked. Yeah. Um, they both had en engine problems. 
Um, and the boxes was, was, was catastrophic in so much that um, I think a connecting rod had, had broken and um, the engine was toast effectively. So um, the car, both of them were scrap. If, if I'm honest, they would have just gone to the scrap yard if, um, if they weren't converted. Well, that makes the price make sense, at least. I'm now going to be uh, setting up a search on eBay for uh, knackered boxes because <laughs> that sounds almost too yeah, good to yeah. be true. Um, so yeah, you mentioned exactly. the, the Tesla large drive unit there. Were you, were you set on the Tesla route from the beginning as well as this rear wheel drive route? Yeah, I think the power the power appealed of the Tesla Tesla large drive unit. Um, I, having had that sort of bug from the from the i three and, and feeling that power, um, I was chasing chasing power really. I suppose um, I like the simplicity of having it in the back of the car, yeah. and um, yeah, it was just it was just the what I'd seen of one or two other builds on YouTube. Um, folk that had used used either the small drive unit or the Tesla large drive unit. They just looked phenomenal, and um, at the time, Zero EV had put one in a in a in a drift car, a large drive unit in a drift car, and it just looked fantastic. And the power this thing was putting out, so that's what kind of got me uh, piqued my interest. And what round is this out then? So you had to have something to control the large drive unit and some batteries, the main things. Yeah, so I went I went the open inverter um, route in terms of the controller of the drive unit. So. The board had been, um, it's effectively, the large drive unit has a, has a Tesla motherboard in it, if, if you like, and you take that uh, motherboard out of it and you replace it with the open inverter motherboard, which effectively takes control of the large drive unit and, and um, opens up all the sort of restrictions that the, the, uh, the Tesla software would have on it. Um, and, and in actual fact, I'm, I'm running the drive unit in reverse. So the, the, the drive unit within the Porsche sits mid-engined so, so it still sits within the um, within the mid-engine bay, um, but it's running in reverse. And of course, with the, with the Tesla OEM software, you wouldn't be able to drive at those sorts of speeds in reverse. Um, but you can with the um, with the open inverter stuff. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, um, a bit of a learning curve in terms of trying to get your head around the open inverter um, um, firmware, if you like, software and all the parameters. But there was some good support by the DIY EV community on the open inverter forum. Um, lots of people signposting things and what, what, how, what to change, what to adjust in terms of um, tuning of the drive unit. Um, and, and really from, from day one, I mean, I, we're always t- tweaking with the tune, I suppose, and I have been for the past two or three years. But from day one, it, it pretty much worked out of the box um, from, um, from a drivability perspective with the open inverter board. So that was good. Um, from batteries, I have Chevy Volt batteries. So um, in the UK, they come out of, what is it? It's a Vauxhall Ampera. Yeah. So it's a hybrid, actually. Um, and that car can, that those batteries can effectively um, deliver the discharge, the amperage discharge um, required to, to get potential, full potential out of that Tesla large drive unit. Because so it's, it's pretty chunky pretty- current drawer for, on a large drive unit, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's twelve hundred amps peak it can pull. So it's 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 an awful lot. Yeah, it's an awful lot. And you have to make some modifications to the large drive unit to run it in reverse, don't you? I seem to remember. Yeah, so you have to fit um, a reverse drive oil pump, which effectively just you know lubricates the, everything else um, or all, all the components that require lubrication, but running in reverse. So you can buy that um, oil pump um, commercially from Zero EV um, in the UK. And um, it's it's just a, a bolt-in replacement, if you like. You have to open the the, the gear set um, casing to, to replace it, but it's it's a fairly simple procedure. Um, and whilst I had that open, I also fitted a uh, an LSD in there as well, which um, helps put the power down. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to need it. Not much weight <laughs> and, uh, and and that great big drive unit. 
Um, and what about the other stuff? You, you've got, I'm guessing you had to replace things like um, brake booster and uh, power steering. What's running all that? So the power steering I kept completely standard um, with the exception of having a um, electric hydraulic power steering pump, right. um, um, which sits in the sits in the rear of the car. Um, so, so the original power steering lines run to the rear of the Boxster. So I literally connected up those lines to a power steering pump. I think it came out of a Vauxhall again, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's an OEM pump. Um, in fact, Porsche use it in their GT3 race cars. So huh. it was all, almost like an approved component, if, um, if that makes sense. So that's running the power steering. Um, the brake side of things, I originally, when I went through all the criteria in terms of the, the, the DVLA aspects, the brake system was completely original to the car, with the exception of adding in a vacuum pump. Um, so it was a, a Bosch vacuum pump which again is an OEM component. Um, but since then I've fitted a Tesla iBooster to the um, to the braking system, which just makes it um, a little more sharp, doesn't feel quite as old um, in the car. What, what was the process so, of fitting yeah. that like? Did, was that relatively straightforward? Yeah, it is actually. So you, all the hydraulics remain the same. Um, in the Porsche, it's pretty much plug and play in terms of where the, the brake lines bolt into the heart, into the, into the iBooster. But all your what you're effectively getting, you're getting you're getting electronically servo assisted brakes mm. through this eye booster system. And most modern cars are running those those systems now anyway. They're, they're all I think the vast majority of them are made by Bosch. Um, and the one in my car, I think it came out of the VW actually, um, and um, slotted into the Boxster. And the bolt pattern is the same um, in terms of where it's slotted in. So, other than making this. Um, um, uh, bar if you like that connects the eye booster to the to the brake pedal it was pretty much plug and play fantastic um where did all this happen then was it do you have space to work at home well we've always lived in terraced houses until fairly recently where we moved into our current house and, and i have a double garage and that was a prerequisite for for, for finding the next property so yeah it's i did it in the garage at home um but lucky in so much that you can get all the way around the car in the garage and now, I also purchased um, some quick jacks as well, which um, which help them um, get it up and down when you need to. You found a garage with a house attached. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. I'd actually like to make it bigger, the garage, at some point, but um, um, the, the wife has got other ideas. And the quick jacks are good investment? Yeah, they are. I mean, you, you all know this yourself. When you're working with axle stands, um, the car goes up and down a, a thousand times before you're actually really ready to, to drive it. And... Um, I originally took the Porsche engine out on axle stands and it didn't quite lift the car high enough and it was just fiddly. Um, you're constantly kind of balancing on axle stands and I think these quick jacks, they were around a £1,000 so they weren't cheap um, but they're, they're fantastic because you slide them under the car, hit a button, lift the car up and you can lift it up, put it down as many times as you want. It's safe to get under there. But I don't trust them 100%. I always take an axle stand underneath the car with me yeah. just in case. Um, but they're, they're just fantastic for getting the car up and down. And they lift the car, not quite two feet, but certainly enough to, to get under there with a, under a creeper as well, so you can roll under there and roll out. Um, and as I say, just the speed and safety of it um, really does help. I'd love to get one of those mini two-post lifts in the garage, but that's a bit of a pipe dream at the moment. Yeah, I, it definitely, it's, it's on my to-do list. I need to, uh, I just need to know that I've got my garage for more than a year at a time before I start investing in hardware like that. There is a uh, there's a yeah. building that's come up for rent. Well, I think it's about to come up for rent again around the corner from me, 
and it's my dream location. I can walk to it. It's currently fitted out as a garage. But last time I checked, they wanted £2,000 a month for it, which is oh, kind gosh. of out of yeah. my price range for mm. a hobbyist garage. Um, yeah, yeah. Any problems getting it approved Like once, you, once you've done the conversion? Um, I, I applied to get it uh, approved right about a month before lockdown one. So the, the process of getting approved was, was seriously convoluted because of the lockdowns and the COVID lockdowns. Um, but also because the DVLA don't really have a procedure for, mm. for EV conversions, or they didn't at that time. I think it's fine for LPG conversions and, and, and that sort of thing, or taking a putting a bigger engine in an existing car, but to go from an internal combustion engine to an electric conversion, they didn't really have a process for it. Um, so it took, it took about a year, all told, um, several letters um, requesting information, information that I provided previously, um, very frustrating time um, going through that. The car is a January 2001 car, so it just about made the threshold for being tax, tax exempt um, from, from an electric point of view. Um, but uh, And they sent an inspector to come and look at it as well, which they did on the driveway. And the, the chap took lots of pictures. He wanted to see underneath it, wanted to see in the engine bay. Um, yeah, but about a year all told. Mm. It's interesting they sent an inspector to you, but not to me, when we were both, we were both going through the process at similar times and with similar age yeah. cars. My mind's a 99, but, but you know, pre-2001, but there was no inspector, but just as much sending information that you've already sent twice before. And so once you got the car approved, were there any issues getting it insured? On the insurance side, um, th there weren't issues getting it insured, um, but I had to go to a specialist broker that was um, into modified vehicles. I had, had some expertise in modified vehicles. I think we were originally um, with Admiral on the other cars in the house and um, Admiral kind of you know, put me on hold for half an hour, came back and said, no, we can't help. So um, I ended up going with Adrian Flux, um, who was pretty much the only broker at the time that could, that could help with that sort of thing. I think there's one or two more out there now, but um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't too onerous, but just one broker really that would, that would help with it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I rang 30 insurers and brokers um, just to try and find out who would do it, because I knew that Adrian Flux would. Um, but it seems, you know, it seems weird having one company in the market. And the only one I know now for sure that does, I know others who've given quotes to some people, but said no to others. Um, the only one I know for sure that does now is Lancaster Insurance. And, um, yeah, they're not, they haven't got like a full process set up yet for it. Um, but if anybody's looking for insurance in the UK, drop me a line and I'll put you in touch with the, the relevant people and they'll get you a quote. At least you've got a, a competitive quote, even if Adrian Flux may end up being cheaper. They've certainly got a good few EV conversions on their books now. Um, what about biggest challenges of the project? What, what was hardest? I think the biggest challenges initially was access to information. Um, I, I was fairly well into the project and I didn't even know that the Open Inverter Forum existed. And I was looking at the old DIY um, electric car forum. I was looking at videos. Um, but didn't really, it did, didn't know about the Open Inverter Forum. So even wiring the low voltage side up of, of the Tesla large drive unit, I had the car and I was in the process of building a, a mounting system to, to put the motor in the car. I had no idea really that the, um, the Open Inverter Forum existed. So that was, that was a real light bulb moment, finding Open Inverter Forum and seeing how much, what a repository of information was there from wiring up the large drive unit to um, high voltage side sort of guidance and, 
the, the, the wiki page was, was taking shape as well. So I, I think it was access to information. I think even towards the latter part of the build, I struggled with things like um, working out CAN bus messages to power the gauges in the car. And I was quite lucky that Zero EV um, were also doing a Porsche Boxer at the time. And um, they were super helpful in terms of giving guidance on one or two aspects of, of, of the build. But also, they had done all the CAN captures on their car. Um, and, and they sent me the, um, the DVC file with all the CAN captures. And um, all that needed to be done from there was to design a bit of code on, on the, on the uh, VCU within the car, which would then take signals from the drive unit and, and, and BMS and so on to then power the, 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 the gauges, the Porsche gauges. So yeah, it's always throughout the project, I think it's always been information, trying to get access to information or find the right information is the most challenging part of, um, of the build. It's all out there, but it's breadcrumbs. Yeah. You, know, you, you kind of, you, you speak to someone and they recommend someone else or you read a particular thread and it takes you in another direction. But it's, um, it's challenging from a breadcrumbs point of view. And I think that that is improving for sure. Um, I think there's so much more information out there now than there was three years ago, which is which is great for those coming into it now. Yeah, absolutely. I think just generally it's got easier. I mean, the shift to CAN bus controlled inverters away from you know lobotomizing the inverter has generally got easier. Um, you reminded me, actually, I've got to do a CAN bus capture on this Z3. I keep forgetting to do it before I take the cars apart. Um, I really ought to grab some canvas off this one, both for me and for somebody else doing a Z3 as well. A, a future DIY V chat guest. Um, <laughs> most rewarding moment? Um, for sure, the first drive. Um, yeah, the first drive was... Um, I, I think I, I never actually realised the car would work. You know, it hadn't... It, it hadn't actually dawned on me that this thing might actually move under its own steam. When, <laughs> when, when, when I put the batteries in the car, you know, they were loosely mounted and the drive unit was in position, axles connected. Um, yeah, put, put it, driving up and down the lane, we live in quite a rural area and I had the opportunity to, to run it up and down the lane for testing purposes. Um, it just blew me away, you know, because I, I just don't think that I was mentally prepared that the thing would actually work. And you'd spend all that time working on it uh, investing so much time into it um, and then for it to actually work is just just incredible and you know the, the, the warm summer evenings with the roof down having a blast through country lanes in, in in complete silence is just fantastic you know absolutely love doing it in fact several times since doing the conversion I'll charge it fully go for a blast through the country lanes come back charge it again and go back out again <laughs> it's just so much so much fun it's just it really is so for sure, the, 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 the fact that you've done it yourself and and, and, the, and all of the, the sort of some of the components that you've put together make this car up is, is definitely the most rewarding part. Brilliant. Do you have a sense of what it's cost for that reward? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> and the answer to that question really depends on who asks it. So um, it, it, in all honesty, I had the car on the road for about 10000 and that included buying the car. So you remember the car was 2000 or 1900 I mean, that's incredible given and, the price of a Tesla large drive unit. Yeah, it, it's, um, I, I was quite um, thrifty in the way that I was trying to work through buying all the components. And um, I was using second-hand components from eBay. Um, the DC to DC was originally out of um, a Chevy Volt as well, and the charger was. And um, so everything was sort of recycled components that I bought on eBay um, and not expensive. Um, the most expensive part, of course, is the Tesla large drive unit, which costs more than the car. Um, and um, 
Yeah, I think since then it's had a few more refinements, shall we say. So, um, yeah, once, once I, I had worked out that it will actually drive, I bought new wheels for it. Um, it's had an upgraded charger, so it's now got a Tesla Gen 2 Model S high voltage charger inside it. Um, I actually bought another Porsche Boxster to nick the body kit off it because um, I fancy putting an original Porsche body kit on it. So um, it's had a few upgrades since then. So I think I'm probably nearing around the 15 mark now, but it's my daily driver. It costs very little to run, um, although electricity prices aren't going up as we know. Um, and tyres, um, I'm going to guess. <laughs> tyres, yeah. So it's just had a new set, another set of tyres on the rear. Um, yeah, interestingly, um, well, I, I first put Chinese tires on, on it because, again, I wasn't sure whether the thing would run and I didn't want to throw a whole load of money at, at Michelin's and um, I've just put Michelin's on it this time around and having decent tires really does transform the car, being able to put that power down in the wet and uh, sort of on, the, on, on leafy roads as well. So, um, favourite tool, is it the quick jacks? It's, yeah, so it's not quite the quick jacks. Um, the favourite tool is um, actually wire crimps. Oh, um, yes. I realised very quickly at the beginning that trying to crimp wires with long nose pliers is, is just a stupid approach. So I've now got five or six um, sets of wire crimps that range from a 0.5 mil um, wire right up to a 70 mil squared wire. Um, and, you know, I make sure that whenever I, I, I crimp something, that I can't remove it with my hands. Um, and, and that's really the test of whether the crimp is any good. If it comes off in your hands, you know, you need to redo it or, or, or the crimping isn't, isn't correct because there's the, you've got, I don't know, a hundred, 150, I suppose, new wiring points within the car. There's so many opportunities for that to go wrong. Either for you to knock something or pull something out. So you don't want to be chasing your tail three or four months down the line when you're, you know, you, you left the, the, the BMS part there and you're working on something else and it's all interconnected and yeah, it's, um, you, you don't want to be worrying about those sorts of things. So um, the wire crimps are probably the best tool um, within, uh, within the armory. Um, yeah. That's a very good piece of advice. Get some proper wire crimps before you start on one of these projects because you will drive yourself mad. Otherwise it's a nightmare. I've, I've been in exactly the same situation. Um, and so last question, what's next? Have you got any more projects on the, on the horizon or more upgrades? Well, the, 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 the Porsche is um, still classified as a project car, I think. So it's always going to be an evolving thing. Um, I'd love to put a larger battery in at some point and, um, and also put um, CCS charging onto it. But um, time, time and finances are, um, are against me on that front. But I've also always got my lookout for the next project. And I'd love to do something really old BMW, um, something like a, an old BMW 6 Series. Um, I had a um, fascination with the, the 635 CSI back in the day, and, and I love the BMW 8 series. So I'd love to do something like that. Um, but it's, um, yeah, that's sort of a, a long term goal um, in, in that regard. Yeah, a 635 would be a fantastic project. I'd love to see that. Well, if you do do that, we'll have to get you back on. Um, thanks for coming on, Paul. Um, very much enjoyed talking to you. Hope to see the Porsche one day and get a ride in it because it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm now dreaming about. I don't know if you've seen those Boxster conversions into modern, sort of modernised uh, Porsche Speedsters. I have, yeah, they look pretty cool. They do look, I'm just now thinking about one of those with the Tesla drive unit in would be, yeah, that'd 
that might be a future project, a very distant future project when I've put a lot more money in the bank. But thanks for coming on. Um, thanks to you for listening and watching. If you did enjoy this, please do like and subscribe, share it around. And I'm hoping this encourages more people to think about doing their own DIY EV project. That's it for now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.